podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback defense tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, man? I'm, I'm pretty much just ready for Mommy and Daddy to fight on this pod. Uh, so uh, I've, been, I've been prepping for it all day. I'm, re- I'm ready to go. This is not going to be good news at all. So we tonight we uh, we've decided that we're going to finally start talking uh, less strategy and well a little bit of strategy, but more so specific players and really get into rankings and such the the boring stuff of fantasy football um, to us at least. But we're going to talk about quarterbacks and the reason uh, mommy and daddy are going to fight is because eventually in this podcast we will get to Johnny Manziel and there is no bigger Johnny Manziel backer in this world. I don't I don't even think his mother likes him as much as this person does. Um, but it's Davis Maddock. Davis Maddock. Davis, what's going on, buddy? Uh not much, dude. It's just like, you know, I I pulled you aside on Gchat after the uh after the big dust up where we both ran pieces and I just said that if you had me on uh to talk like late round quarterbacks and if you didn't have me on, I was just going to be really mad and like weren't going to be internet friends anymore. So that's the reason I'm here is that I bribed my way into being here. Understandable. I think everyone needs to know as well uh, that Davis and I have a great relationship. Just know that going into this podcast. Yeah, just remember it because it'll be hard to remember at the end, I think. Yeah. Dude, we took, a, we, we took a selfie together in San Francisco. I mean, how much more brotastic does it get? I remember. We did. That yeah. happened, man. We, we bro-hugged. Like, we did the whole thing. <laughs> everything happened everything happened so regardless of what happens at the end of this podcast just know that davis and i are cool it's not gonna seem like that it's gonna be really bad <laughs> it's gonna be super bad it's gonna be absolutely horrendous we were already talking before before the already before the podcast started we were talking about the, the johnny manzel thing and there we already started fighting so there's going to be a fight but before we get into johnny manzel uh like i said we're gonna go through um the quarterbacks in general, uh, you know, what, what our strategy is, obviously given this podcast, it's more like more than likely going to be, uh, a late round quarterback strategy. Although Davis is kind of a wild card all the time. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but we'll talk about, um, some different quarterbacks, late round guys that we're targeting any sort of strategy that we want to throw out there. And then we'll get into Johnny football and then we will rant like we love to do. Um, so let's start uh, with with those early round quarterbacks. Um, you know, there, there's obviously three. You have Peyton Manning, uh, who dominated last year. Aaron Rodgers, who didn't, who wasn't able to play the full season, and Drew Brees, who's this just consistent monster. Um, so I'll start with Denny. Are you are you going after any of these guys, uh, given their ADP, which we'll assume is roughly the middle of the third round? Are you are you targeting them at all? You know, even if let's say no one takes a tight end early or, or only Jimmy Graham goes and, and everyone's going running back and wide receiver and they're sitting there in the middle of the third round. Are you targeting one of these quarterbacks? Uh, the short answer is no. The long answer is no, but no, it's uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not. And uh, I, I, again, we've talked about like where we would take these, the, these guys. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we, we've, we've said that, that Peyton and, um, 
and Breeze and Rogers would be would be values probably around like the I think we agreed on the late third round, early fourth round. But mm-hmm. there's no possibility that they're ever going to uh, uh, drop to that level. So, um, so no, I mean, I'm 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 thrilled. Like I just did a mock draft um, uh, tonight, uh, just a random one in, in which I saw all three of those guys go in the first 18 picks, and I was right. and I was thrilled. I mean, that that's really like you know you shouldn't be jealous when that happens. You shouldn't be ah oh, man, God, I missed my I missed my chance on the top three, on the big three. Let them go. Let 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 them be free. Let them fly away because, uh, you know those those picks in in that range of the draft uh, opens up you know elite running backs and wide receivers and and, right. and tight ends if you're into that um, uh, for for you to scoop up in the first two or three rounds. Yeah, Davis, are you kind of in the same boat? Are you are you avoiding the the early round quarterback consistency that everyone's kind of hyping? Well, not everyone, but there are. There are people that are just in general hyping up the early round quarterback strategy again. Uh, I mean, I definitely would not take any of those guys in the third or fourth round, but I'll take Rodgers in the fifth. I probably wouldn't do it for for Breeze, and Manning would never get there because there's always, always someone in your league who will take Manning before the fifth round. But if if Rodgers is there in the fifth and I have three three wide receivers and a running back I, I really like, then yeah, I will, I'll make that no problem because... Uh, out in the fifth round, like it's it's sort of no man's land. It's guys who you have to have an opinion on to draft them there. Right. And Trent Trent Richardson, Rashad Jennings, those kind of exactly. Players. And I have no opinion on those guys. I I truly right. don't have a Trent Richardson uh, or Rashad Jennings opinion right now. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And the, the other thing too, to that point, and um, I found that uh, just through the the bust rate stuff that I've worked on in the past month or so, uh, that really starts to that's where in typical twelve team drafts, you start to see the significant drop offs in players who actually succeed at the end of the year and players who you know don't. You know you're going to start to see more guys that aren't aren't really becoming true RB ones, if you will. They don't have that same kind of upside. So I understand you know once you get into that uh, late fourth, early fifth territory, best ball leagues are a little bit different as we talked about. Uh, on the last podcast, just because you're able to, um, you know, fill in, uh, you don't have to play this, the streaming guessing game. It's not really guessing. It's, it's, it's educated guessing, uh, but you don't have to play that game a week in week out. You're, you're just optimizing your lineup each week. And there's so many usable quarterbacks that it's just not worth it, uh, in a best ball league regardless. But, um, so I think that that kind of takes care of it. I know that was short. It was only like four minutes. So we talked about it, but that's kind of the philosophy with early round quarterbacks. Would you guys agree is the fourth round the earliest that you would probably take one? For me, for me, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I think don't think there's a ton to say uh, on 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 this beyond what we what we've said tonight yeah. because uh, because I think that the uh, if you even if you don't believe it, you know, if you do mock drafts every now and then uh, as as in the lead up to your to your real draft. Just, just experiment. Just experiment with this, uh, with this approach, and um, and see what you see how you like your team in, in the end. Right. And and remember, most of all, even if you don't love your quarterback, which you probably won't if you're if you're used to getting those those big three guys, uh, even if you don't love your quarterback, just remember that the that those points that those quarterback points are much more replaceable than the elite running back and, and wide receiver points. Right. The other thing too, I just feel like every time someone does a, a mock draft and they get a quarterback early and they look at their team and they're like, Oh yeah, this team looks great. And the problem with that is that what it looks like is not necessarily the same of what's usable and what works. 
So obviously when everyone's 100% healthy, it's going to look a lot better than in week five when two of your running backs tore their ACL and your wide receiver got hit by a bus. Like it's Jeez. just... Is that a, is yeah, that a common a, thing? Are wide receivers just rough, getting hit by buses out here? Only wide receivers, too. It's the only position that gets hit by buses. <laughs> that, that escalated quickly, I'll be honest. Yeah, I think yeah. running no. running backs, like, the, the science of, like, being a running back is, like, it, every every hit is, like, I think, like, three-fourths of the impact of a car accident. Ugh. Yeah, see? <laughs> so they're getting hit by buses. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely yes. happening. <laughs> basically just 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 constant getting crushed by buses during games man mama raise your kids to be kickers man yeah no joke no joke uh but yeah i mean i think it's it's easy for for teams to look good on paper even if you go quarterback early just because the reason behind the strategy is not for your lineup to look pretty on paper it's for your lineup to score the most points and it's a very very big difference there um is actually let's just talk like how would you guys rank the top three just out of curiosity Davis, I would go. I would go. Rogers, Manning, Breeze, Denny. Yeah, I have the same right now. Um, I I think uh, uh, that you know Rogers wouldn't wouldn't have topped Manning last year. I don't think any any human in the history of quarterbacking would have topped Manning last year. Uh, but uh, you know, regression is coming. Uh, the Rogers injury is not something to worry about. Uh, and um, that that lineup is freaking stacked. So um, I, th- yeah. I think I think he's uh, he would be the my odds-on favorite to finish as as the QB one this year. Yeah, I I actually I was uh, doing a number fire kind of roundtable article, and I was arguing for Rogers, and I started doing the research, and I I mean I think I made a pretty decent argument, but I also realized that Breeze might be the number one guy. I think Manning is my third, just period. I, I just it it it's not what he did last year isn't repeatable you're going to get more consistency from Rodgers and Breeze given their age i just feel like he's, well, he's the number people don't want people don't want to talk about this but eric decker is like a wide receiver one in an nfl context and manny sanders just is not he, he right. he's really not and you can say that doesn't matter but if welker's concussion problems are real and manny sanders is as mediocre as everyone thinks he is then there are right. going to be some problems now it's going to be awesome for demarius thomas's fantasy numbers but for Mannings, he's going to take a hit. People, I hate that people underrate Eric Decker, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree. It's a good point. Yeah. I, um, I kind of love it because I'm ending up with Eric Decker in the sixth and seventh. So, so many drafts. Dude, I got, I got, I did that pros versus Joe's draft and I got him in the eighth round. Oh, no, really? I did. I did. It was pretty ridiculous. Man. Right after I picked Steven Jackson to get to get at least one geriatric running back on my team. You love man, you love the old you love the old running backs so much they 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 all follow follow you on Twitter, right? Yeah, Fred, I had twelve hours of Fred Jackson following me on Twitter. Hey, Jeff Giannis, yeah, follow, already... Jeff Jeff Giannis follows me on Twitter, son. No, really, nice. Yeah, I I win. I win Twitter. Wait, wait, wait. Is, that, is, is it because he found one of the three articles written on him? Yeah, I love that guy. Oh well, I wrote two of them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Wait, D- Davis, is that how you pronounce it, Giannis? See, I think it's Giannis. Everyone, everyone tells yeah, me, dude, everyone tells me it's, it's Janice. I think it's Giannis. Yeah, but you're you're one of those people who thinks it's Scooter Janae and baseball. No, it's Scooter Janet. I don't think it's okay. I don't think it's Janae. <laughs> all right, all right, good. All right, I think I think you just think that everyone's either like Italian or French. Well, I mean, I do speak French, so. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, swag. Sweet. All right, uh, let's let's look at uh, the next the next tier uh, within fantasy drafts. That's the middle round quarterbacks, the the Andrew Lux, the Nick Foles's, etc., uh, the Cam Newtons. Um, so 
I'll start with Davis here. Are you looking at middle round quarterbacks? You just said that you most likely are not going to take an elite one, but are you looking at these middle round guys at all in your draft? I mean, I would definitely not take Andrew Luck because I think that there's little to 0% chance he cracks the top five just with the way that, I mean, it's not his fault like that everyone thinks he's so much better than he is. He didn't ask for everyone to start lavishing this praise on him. It just sort of happened. And the offense that they've surrounded him with is okay. I mean, Reggie Wayne and Hakeem Nix are okay, but the best like physical wide receiver on the team is probably not going to start very many games. T.Y. Hilton is, at best, unreliable. And the run game, who knows what you're getting out of Trent Richardson? Who, who knows? None of us know. So he's not really set up for a tremendous amount of success. On the other hand, I'll, I'll pay whatever the asking price is for Nick Foles, pretty much. Really? Like, you don't... eighth round, it's stealing to me. Here, let me... I'm looking at fantasy football. So right now he's at 6.06, according to fantasy football. Okay, well, football that's, that's way too high. That's too high. Okay. See, I mean, the drafts I've been doing, I've been doing MFL 10s. That's like the main... Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll drop a little bit in those, for sure. Yeah. Just because of the natural not needing a quarterback. Like, you can get him. You can realistically get him, who I think is going to be... I have him ranked as my number five fantasy quarterback. Um, you, can, you can get him in the ninth round. That that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So Foles is your guy, basically. What when when would you when would you take Nick Foles in in, in a standard? Let's draft? say Seventh let's round? just say this is a draft where I don't take the Gronkowski bait, and so yeah. I have all of my starting running backs. I have all of my starting wide receivers. Well, I feel pretty confident in my ability to find late round talent at those positions. I would take Foles in the seventh. <laughs> Here we go. Davis coming on here and just just debunking my my bust rate mentality. No, you your bust rate thing is real. I I will get guys wrong. Uh, I don't know who it is. I like I really like Derek Rogers late. I really like Andre Holmes rate late rather. I really like Niall Davis, Chris Polk, all these guys. I really like these guys. But just because I like them doesn't mean that all of them are going to hit. But if a couple right. of them hit, it justifies the decision. Um, to take Foles around earlier than his ADP suggests and earlier than your math would suggest I should. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Denny, actually, I want to I touch on Andrew Luck a little bit. because, Well, you, you know Andrew Luck technically did finish as the fourth quarterback last year, mm-hmm. just to throw that out there. But Good he, for him. I, I, I understand, I understand the, the, the general issue. I'll be kind of the, the moderator because, Denny, are, you're fairly high on Luck, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, He's I have. He's not the only one. Yeah, I, no, I know. I have but a rank six, yeah. Right. So I mean, like, I think with with Luck, the the general problem with that people have with him is that um, there are. I'm not saying that Denny's one of these people because he's not, especially if he has him sixth. But there are people who think that he is basically elite right now when his metrics just don't say that. They say that he's been a, a pretty good quarterback mm-hmm. that has the potential to take that jump and make that leap. But he. He was actually, if you look from a week-to-week consistency perspective last year, he was one of the most consistent quarterbacks in fantasy, and a lot of that has to do with his his the work that he does on the ground. Right. Uh, but, but Denny, do you want to add anything to that? Because I know that you wrote a little bit about Andrew Luck. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the ground piece is, is key there uh, um, because he gets that, that um, you know, that uh, two and a half, I think, 2.8 points per game yeah, on, yeah. on the ground last year. Uh, that doesn't sound like much, but it is. It is. It is something to to consider. It's pretty much you know same with with Alex Smith in a way. Is you know Alex Smith became fantasy relevant or maintained fantasy relevance through his uh, his ground game. But I, I did this uh, piece for XN Sports where I looked at Luck's um, fantasy points per aim throw over the 
over the uh, the final, I think his final six games of uh, 2013, when basically the Colts just let, let had to, uh, uh, to had to let it go, had to kind of take the chains off of Luck because uh, yeah. their defense was horrendous. They have no, they had no run game, and he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't incredibly efficient. Um, right. But um, but he racked up a lot of points. He posted a a point five, uh, I'm sorry, point five five, uh, what, what I call F Pat. And um, if if you if you look at uh, the Colts ha- being a little more pass happy this year, um, and if he can maintain any, anything close to that, because uh, I, I don't think that he can maintain that point five five. That's that's really high, especially for mm-hmm. a guy like him who 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 traditionally doesn't come close to that. If he can ma- maintain that. Um, I show in the article I showed. You know, he's he can post those top five uh, seasonal numbers. So, yeah, I'm. I think I'm. Uh, I'm on the other side of the fence uh, when it comes to uh, to luck. Although I I will say I've read the the number fire analysis of luck, and obviously he's he's really lacking in in a lot of key metrics. Yeah, actually, I was gonna. Jim Sanis did a really good breakdown of. Uh, um of of luck and and basically if he wants to make a jump to where the elite guys are the jump in passing nep that he would have to make uh would be basically the biggest jump that we've ever seen since we started collecting the data so you know it's it's not really possible i guess you would say mm-hmm. uh but he's going in the fifth round right now according to fantasy football calculator are we all in in agreement that's a little bit too high yes uh, and i i would say i'm i'm with davis i wrote i wrote something for four four last week uh, in which I showed, I said that uh, you know Foles, unlike unlike Luck, unlike Stafford or RG three or Matt Ryan or anybody in in that range, uh, uh, Foles has a, a an outside shot at uh, the QB one numbers, not not QB one, but the top spot uh, um, if he maintains something yeah. close to his efficiency from last year and um, uh, and throws a, a few more passes, basically. Uh, per game than he than he did last year. So uh, so Foles for me is if I have to have an every week starter if I'm if I'm going into the draft and I say I'm not streaming I'm just you know I just want an every week plug and play guy then it, it's definitely Foles over Luck for me. Okay, I got you, um, Davis. What about some some of the other middle round guys? So I'm looking at Fantasy Football Calculator again and take it for what it's worth. Some people hate this site for ADP. I I kind of like it because it's more consensus and it's not skewed towards experts or dynasty folks. Um, so Robert Griffin III is being drafted at 6.09 right after Nick Foles. Are you are you into RG3 at all? No, way too much volatility there. Like the risk, the risk that he is as bad as he was last year is not really there at that price yeah. tag. And yeah. he very well could recover, but like he's one of those guys who with the weapons they have given to him, he's got to be doing it with his legs. Yeah. The other thing too is uh, Tom Brady is now right after RG three, and his his stock has been rising with all the reports about Gronkowski. Um, and I mean, I feel like the, there's a, the group of guys. I feel like it's it's basically, and we we can all kind of talk about this. We didn't really talk about Stafford, but I guess you could probably throw Stafford in this group just in general. But it's like the Stafford Luck and Foles group, and then you get into the the. RG three Brady Matt Ryan Cam Newton. Although I would, I don't know. Maybe I'm go- actually I'm probably going in the wrong direction here because I I would argue that Cam Newton you're seeing him drop in a lot of drafts right now because of that wide receiver situation. And realistically, 
let's be honest, his wide receivers are not worse than they were last year. They're just not. No. Cam Newton's, um, yeah, no. He's yeah. actually like, a, he, I, he's a way better value than RG3 is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if there's one guy, I mean, like, if, if one of those guys drop, um, you know, we're not against taking them, especially Cam. Right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, where you see uh, quarterbacks going earlier than usual, Cam's at 710 uh, and then Kaepernick goes at 8.04, which doesn't make any sense to me that he would be so close to Cam Newton. But um, the the fact that they're they're dropping, it's just it just shows the the depth of the position, and it's it's just crazy. It's absolutely insane. Davis Maddock. Well, then now we'll move on to the uh, to some of the late round guys. Um, I asked you guys to to come prepared with uh, three or so late round quarterbacks that you're targeting, since that's basically the strategy that we're gonna we're gonna do um so we'll start with davis davis who's a late round quarterback that you've been targeting in almost every draft that you're in because i know that you don't like diversification and you're just gonna get your guy i'm actually doing a lot better with diversification this year wow congrats well last year the old the old matt schaub ej manual death train did not treat me so good (laughs) like like i'm talking i'm talking like i came in I came in like eighth in leagues where I had Zach Stacy, Alshon Jeffrey, and Josh Gordon. Oh my like, God. like seriously, like not like getting zeros from your QB every week is not uh, an optimal situation at all. Fair, but I mean, if we if we're gonna wait, say wait for the Johnny Manziel talk, I would say that a quarterback late that I've been taking uh, a lot of is Carson Palmer. Nice. What's the reason for that? Uh, I mean, I think we have a huge breakout. Um, from Michael Floyd, obviously. I mean, everyone in fantasy Twitter knows that Michael Floyd is being undervalued right now, and it's it's sort of hilarious where he's going in drafts. And, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is obviously still elite at the things that NFL wide receivers need to do. I, I'm not sure if I'm huge on him for fantasy. Uh, Andre Ellington is a really good pass-catching back, and Bruce Arians is all about the pass volume. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that he's just – I think he's super safe, really. Yeah, I have him on my list as well. Denny, you've written about Carson Palmer too, right? Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, – uh, uh, Jay Cutler has transformed into Carson Palmer for me this summer, whereas yes. last summer I was just – I felt like I was just working PR for, for Cuddy. And <laughs> and this year, this year, old man Carson is paying paying the PR bills for me, and I'm just, I'm just pumping out articles on him. Nice. And I, I think Davis makes a really good point with, uh, with Ellington. Uh, not – you know, not – as much a, a, a between the tackles kind of guy, but as a pass catching option, I mean, he is he's he's superior to Richard Mendenhall in 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 many ways, in most ways, uh, as I am as as an NFL running back. But um, oh, um, you know, but but Ellington is uh, is is a great pass catcher, and he's the kind of guy uh, you know who could turn a, a dump off on third and 12 into a 40 yard touchdown. Right. And so while, while Andre Ellington was taking a dump off, Richard Mendenhall was taking a dump. He was just taking yeah, an actual dump on the field. Yeah. Which, right. yeah I mean, is, which is Carson actually... Palmer looked like he must've stepped on last year because he really didn't play very well. <laughs> no. And I will say, you know, it, in, in looking at him, I've, I've looked at his 2013 season and, like a hundred different ways and it's never good dear god he was so bad in oh, the yeah. first half of the season yeah, yeah i mean he he was unusable in the first i think he was like qb 25 yeah at the, he had he had, mid- he had zero top 12 weeks until week 12 i think or week 11 week 11 
Yeah, when they came out of their bye, he he kind of went berserk. And yeah. and and I think that the most positive thing uh, that I've seen about you know looking at his 2013 pretty much obsessively is that he he played uh, the Ram- the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks in that in that span that he where he posted really nice numbers. So it's not like he was just like crushing a bunch of horrible secondaries. Right. Um, he, he you know he played against those teams. Now, you know, would I stream Palmer against Seattle? No, I, no, of course not. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, he's he's a target for me because he's so he's so cheap. You know, I don't really have to make a decision on him. Like my my lineup is already just you know stacked with wide receivers and running backs. By the time I get to the time to draft Palmer mm-hmm. that I just do it. I mean, he's the 24th running back off the board according to my fantasy league and uh and he's uh QB 21 on uh fantasy football calculator. So mm-hmm. he's so cheap. Uh uh if if I could just name Yeah, yeah, go in, go do another one. Yeah, one, one more um uh especially in in, in best ball leagues. I know who, I, I know who you're going to say. Just do it you, though. You know it, you know it. I'm going to say it. Geno Smith I knew said it. it. I said it, uh, and and honestly, I really wasn't on this track until uh, in, until Fantasy Douche on Rotoviz wrote these great couple articles on Gino on Gino's splits, and you know he he basically was was a was a fantasy um, uh, black hole uh, in in New York Jets losses last year, and he was fantastic in Jets wins. He averaged twenty three point six points per game in, in Jets wins. So um he you know he has a vastly improved offensive cast. Uh he gives you numbers on the he gives you a little a little bump on the ground. Uh and and he's and he's super cheap. I just think that those two are just a, a great streaming combo if you if you can get it. Yeah I dig it. Um <clears throat> Geno Smith was like Probably it was my best call last year that that Atlanta game. On, yeah that on this was podcast. because that was off the wall. I remember I remember thinking like, "Wow, that is that is that is brave." And then he went out and posted like a top four or five week. Yeah, that he can he can do that. It's just it's it's case in point that he. I mean, obviously it was the Falcons and everyone threw against the Falcons, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think there's potential, and I'm one of the biggest Geno Smith haters out there. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Davis, you're on the Geno Smith train, aren't you? I I liked him a lot last year. I probably am less in on him this year. But I like I don't think he's a bad play at all. I I would much rather have Jonathan Paul, Money Manziel. Uh, but I, I definitely have some, mm-hmm. I definitely have some Geno stock, and he will definitely be a useful streamer with the improvement of their weapons. I think Jason Morrow <laughs> will probably come out of the gate pretty slow. It sounds like he's having a tough yeah. time at camp, but he's a very very good football player. And once he sort of gets the hang of things, I mean. And I, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to hear me talk about Stephen Hill. Yes. But, but if if they use him at things he's already good at, which are bubble screens and nine routes, that is a theoretically elite offense. And no one no one wants to hear that. What? It, but with the right coaching, that could be an elite offense. It really could. You're not saying, like, this year. I It could. You're I, saying I, this year. This year, the wait. Just say would, say it, the, it, say the sentence. Say the, the sentence. The Jets have the possibility to be an elite NFL, like top ten offense in both yards and points scored in twenty in twenty fourteen if coached appropriately. Woo, man, 
No, that's I, we're also trusting Rex Ryan, who doesn't give any, does not pay any mind to uh, offense apparently, and just kind of sucks. Like he just right. kind of sucks, dude. Well, he doesn't um, care about scoring points. Right. He doesn't care about scoring points. That's that's clear. I mean, Nick, Nick Volk is their is their most, uh, you know, is is their best offensive weapon. Yeah, I I'll best say this: player. give give Chip Kelly players as good as uh, Rex Ryan has on offense. They'd score thirty-five points a game. Uh, potentially, I don't think that we should talk. Get that would that's going to be like thirty minutes of talking. Eric Decker, <laughs> Eric Decker, Eric Decker would immediately be the best offensive. Would immediately be the best pass catcher on the Eagles and ever. He'd be the probably be the best one ever. <laughs> you're just I know what you're doing right now. Confrontation <laughs> and like people like bitching in your mentions makes you so uncomfortable. That you're trying to head off the seat right now. No way. <laughs> No way! It's just, it's just that someone just came on my podcast and said that the Jets' offense might be elite. They might. They have kidding. the talent to do so. No, I, right, I think that fair. that's not crazy. I'm gonna. I'm on the record with. I'm not. I'm not with Davis, but I am with. I'm sort of with Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk really quickly about Jay Cutler just because it's it needs to happen because the way that Denny felt about Jay Cutler last year is kind of the way that I feel about him this year. Um, right now, Alshon and B Marsh are top ten wide receivers, and I think all all three of us would agree that they are gonna be top ten wide receivers, or that's how we would have them ranked. Um, and I looked back at history in the past since the year 2000. There's been 12 instances where a, a quarterback or a pair of quarterbacks if, if that quarterback got hurt had uh two top 10 wide receivers at season's end and the median rank of those quarterbacks was 4.5 so I think that alone just kind of tells you the potential that Jay Cutler has in Chicago I think it's it's more potential this year than it was last year um obviously just because we know what Mark Trussman can't I know that we were you know into Mark Trussman uh before last season started but but now we we have proof and it's a little bit safer, which is why, I mean, I still think that I'm, I'm, you know, the reason that Jay Cutler is not going higher is because people don't like Jay Cutler, period. That's, that's, that's the reason. Right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, he, he has a ninth round ADP, which is a little bit high. But if you can get him in the, in the 11th, which I've seen him go in a lot of drafts, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that all day long. Um, are you guys, are you guys cool with Cutler this year? Oh yeah, I'm still all the way on board. Yeah. Denny, I'm, I'm not. I mean, look, I hate I you love, so much. Listen. How are you? How are you betraying Team Trust? How are you after all they've done for you? <laughs> but they, but they did this for me because no one, no one else was was on board, or very few people were on board last year. So, you know, that's that's why we were able to get Alshon at basically like a huge, huge discount. It's why we were able to get Cutler as as like a streaming option, right? And and then McCown later. And you know those two combined. I think what was it, JJ? They combined for top three or four. Yeah, they were the, they were the fourth best quarterback, and they would have had the fourth most consistent week or top twelve weeks. So they were. I mean, it wasn't even skewed whatsoever. Right. So so look, I mean, you know, Cutler's going in the early ninth, in in you know in drafts, and I just I I find to, I find that when I get to that point in the draft, there are still running backs and wide receivers that I want way more 
then I want Jay Cutler as my every week starter. And and yeah. and to me, when you're drafting the 13th quarterback off the board, you're pretty much drafting him as an every week starter. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely fair. I think I think I'm going to own Cutler in leagues. I'm going to probably own Cutler in auction drafts because the way that those kind of flow is that you're not going to have to pay a lot of money for him. Uh, and I'm probably going to own him in drafts where people are trying to be be funny and play chicken with quarterbacks, and I'm just going to go in and, and snipe them before a run starts at the position. I think that's those are the situations where you get Cutler. Um, do you guys have any other other guys on your list? I have one more guy that I have to talk about, but I'll let you guys uh, talk about a guy first. No, I mean not 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 for me. I I listen. I would take Cutler. By the way, like I w- I'm still part of Team Tressman. No, eh. oh, what are you talking about? This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> you're not you're not Team Tressman. I think dude. that you just you got ticked off. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa! I founded Team Tressman. I'm part of Team Tressman. Um, <laughs> no. But I would take him in the tenth. All right, that's what I would do. That's fair. That's that's fair. I think that he's going to go in the tenth in a lot of your drafts. I would assume. I, sure. I'm about to I'm about to steal JJ's thunder though, because the third guy on my list is uh, Five Condom himself, Alex Smith. <laughs> Tell me why. I thought I didn't know that you liked Alex Smith. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that you liked Johnny Men. They're the same person. So basically, basically now I understand why you like Alex Smith because he is Johnny Manziel. Well, yeah. Other than the swag and the extra eighty rushing fantasy points. Oh, I forgot forgot the swag factor, dude. Swag factor matters. Yeah, that's true. Good point. (laughs) I mean, I know that that hurts you. uh, I know that that hurts you to hear, but it is true. That Alex Smith doesn't have any swag. No, that swag matters for fantasy. Right, Right. So why do you like Alex Smith? Because he's awesome. I mean, well, here's part of my problem with your whole theory is that I don't know if like what happened last year is like super super rep- like yeah, I don't you mean I his, his looked- 431 rushing yards. Like yeah, like I don't know if he accrues those again. Like has he done that before? Is he a scrambler? Did he do designed runs? Like I I've been taking him a lot because there's literally zero risk to taking him. Um but I mean he does suck like as like a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he's not very so- good. He's not very good at all. So if the rushing stops, like you're you're left with 220 passing yards a week and a t- maybe a touchdown on a screen what, pass to Jamal. Thomas. What I want to what I want to say though, and Rich Rebar has been bringing this up to me pretty consistently because we're both on the on Team Jesus, uh, Alex Smith. <laughs> but but uh, the one thing with Alex Smith is go look at his numbers from last year and then go look at Russell Wilson's numbers from last year and tell me which one has. A, yeah, but, tell me why there's a sixth round, six that round is, gap between their ADPs. Seventh round, seven round gap. Well, because people who play fantasy football are bad at fantasy football. Right, right. But, but that's why we're doing this podcast. Is the not to say that our demographic is bad at fantasy football. I don't want to say that, or our audience. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sorry, guys. Good. <laughs> we're just trying to educate. Um, I, we're trying to educate because people love Russell Wilson. And I think that he's still capped by by volume there, and it's going. That's just going to be the case. And even if he's not, it's not like he's going to blow the roof off. Wait, hold on, dude. You don't believe every preseason story about them taking the reins yeah, off? Exactly. So, so, uh, but like, I will, he's, Alex Smith is Russell Wilson, and I, I, I credit Rich Rebar at Lord Reeves on Twitter because he's been doing work. Alex Smith is basically everyone, which is why he's Jesus. Yeah, Alex. Alex Smith is Alex Smith is every man. Um, I will say this about Russell Wilson, though. I think that there is a uh, dependent relationship between him. And uh, Marshawn Lynch's holdout, like if Marshawn Lynch is truly not there week one, 
they're they're going like he will pass more. He will be yeah, more of the offense will fall on his shoulders. And I think everyone listening to this who uh, is buying Christine Michael <laughs> in the seventh round of drafts yeah. is probably sort of offended by that idea. Yeah, but it's but fair. they're not going to trust a guy with like sixteen career touches uh, to be the main cog in their offense. Right. I mean, it, don't don't take me don't don't take that the wrong way. I mean, I, I would still draft Russell Wilson far ahead of Alex Smith just because of safety and, and potential. But at the same time, if you and I'm not saying just look at the last, like last year's stats. Alex Smith ran a four seven forty in the combine. I mean, like he's not he's not a slow guy. He's a pretty athletic guy. So it, it didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, his, his numbers themselves did, but his athleticism did not come out of nowhere. And I think Andy Reid's just getting the best out of him. Um, so I he was amazing in college, dude. Yeah, like, I know. Forget that he was an amazing college quarterback. Similar, but not quite as good as Jenny as Jonathan Paul Money Manziel. Why don't we just get to it? Do you want to just do it? Take off the gloves? Yeah, let's no, do it. No, let's keep having this awesome conversation that's helping no one about Alex Smith. <laughs> Alex Smith. Dude, Alex Smith is everyone. He's amazing. No okay, one's well, taking you think, Alex Smith. No one's taking Alex Smith, and do you think anyone listening to this podcast hasn't heard your argument about Alex Smith eh, before? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's just... Shout out. Shout out any new listeners who are only listening yeah, to hey, this because I tweeted it a bunch. Right now, right, tweet at me after this show and say, I have not heard what, how you felt about Alex Smith. <laughs> oh and, my then, God. and then we'll see, Davis. Did, what did we do this with last time? We did this last time I was on the something. I can't remember. It was a poll. I'm, I'm sure there was something crazy because every time you're on, it's crazy. I can't help it. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about Johnny Manziel now. Um... Davis or Denny, you guys are on Team Manziel, and I hate it. I hate it so much. But go ahead. You guys can talk. I don't even care how you guys approach it. Whoever wants to talk first, <laughs> just talk and give your argument why Johnny Manziel should be drafted this year in fantasy football. Yeah, go ahead, Davis. Okay, well, Denny and I have um, a different argument about it. I, I, I actually want to hear De- – I'm Denny, I want you to go first Okay. so that I sure. can supplement your argument with mine. Yeah. All right. Well, from a from a pure numbers standpoint, okay, uh, and, and and remember that I don't really watch a lot of college football, so I'm not one of these people who just watches who just watched Johnny Manziel every weekend and became obsessed with them. It's that's that's not what the situation is. But uh, <clears throat> I looked at the average points per dropback among the top five rushing quarterbacks from 2010 to 2013. And the um, the average points per dropback for those guys was 0. 0.54, uh, which is really, really quite high. And the the high of fantasy points uh, uh, per dropback for for that crowd was 0. 0.66. I'm just going to throw that out because that's un, unholy. Um, uh, so if you if you just kind of uh, use that 0. 0.54 fantasy points per dropback as as a baseline. Uh, now listen, I know I know uh, the younger Shanahan's offense is is supposed to be super run heavy, um, like it was in 2012. And I know that part of uh, what I've seen on, on on Twitter, at least part of the the argument for uh, Johnny Manziel, is that he'll just be RG three again. I don't know about that. I'm not I'm not prepared to go down that path uh, quite yet. But uh, if if he if he dropped back um, if he dropped back five hundred and fifty times uh, at that at that rate at that point five five uh, rate he would um, uh, he would score he would be a top ten quarterback 
And if and it, even if his efficiency was 0.5, half a point per drop back, and he dropped back to, uh, dropped back around 550 times, he would be QB 11. So I you know, and that's over the whole a whole season. I just think that his his floor is is a lot higher than 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 you might think. Uh, I, I I don't think his ceiling is 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 you know enormous, but I think that he has a really nice safe floor, and he could be uh, could be pretty close to an every week starter this week when he takes the starting job because he will. I mean, he's he's going to take that job eventually. All right, uh, so that kind of gives it a, from a perspective of of his potential in the league now, just based on uh, quarterback production from a, from a per dropback perspective. Davis, tell us what it's like from a college perspective and his transferring from college to the, to the pros and why it's going to be so seamless that he's going to be RG3. Well, it's going to be super seamless for a couple of reasons. But, I mean, basically, my whole point was I'm, I'm a, I am unlike Denny. I am a... Johnny Manziel fanboy. I love the dude. Loved him in college. Think he's great. Think he's great for the league. And just so we do know, he is going to start for the Cleveland Browns. That is that is going to happen. Whether it's week five or whatever, it's going to happen. So what Denny just gave you guys is a perspective as to why just any average quarterback can work in that offense. But Johnny Manziel is not an average quarterback. He is someone who won a Heisman at the age of 19 uh, when I was 19, I don't like, like I don't even want to get into it. But I was not winning Heisman's, and neither were any so, of us. So wait, wait, wait. So right now your argument is because Johnny Manziel won a Heisman at, at the age of 19, and you weren't doing anything at the age of 19, you should draft him in fantasy football. All right, keep going. Well, yeah, well, right. yeah. Uh, but to keep okay. going. So basically, some work done by uh, Fantasy Douche and John Mort Rotoviz has shown that. The age of breakout at every position is incredibly informational uh, and predictive when looking at their future success in the NFL. For example, uh, wide receivers who have their age of breakout at their sophomore season rather than their junior season typically have better success at the NFL, and it's easy to see why. With less physical tools and with less coaching, they're doing better. So in Johnny Manziel's first season ever starting against collegiate competition, and it does matter that it happened in the SEC because uh, I think something like like 35% of the NFL defenders yeah, went to an sure. SEC school. Yeah. So that matters. Uh, he won a Heisman and had 21 rushing touchdowns. Uh, and so this piece that I did on Rotoviz about two weeks ago basically looked at, at Manziel's college stats in reference to uh, the two most recent quarterbacks to win a Heisman and then come post a top 10 fantasy season. RG3 and Cam Newton, and sort of what my analysis found was that he was better than both of them if you look at passing and rushing and combine them from an efficiency and a yards-created standpoint. He was he was better than both of them in the same conference as Newton and um, in a different conference than RG3. RG3 plays in a conference where they don't play defense right. at all. And, and RG3 and so, also had some crazy weapons. Yeah, he had Josh Gordon, he had Kendall right. Wright, he had uh, se- several other guys who play in the NFL now. Um, and I'm Manziel had Mike Evans, but Mike Evans also, I think caught like four touchdowns total in Manziel's Heisman season. So all of this is a long winded way of saying that Manziel has an elite comp group. Like if he was a wide receiver, his comps would be like Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas, basically like truly elite guys who match up with him from a production standpoint. 
And you can get him for free. It would be different if we were drafting him the way that we were drafting RG3 in his rookie season. Like, I don't know if yeah, you guys it was remember. Like an pick. It was an eighth round pick because people were so excited about what Cam Newton right. did. So they got excited about what RG3 could do. But there's such a rift on people who think like JJ and people who think like Denny and I <laughs> that you can get it. You can get him for a 13th round pick, which is nothing. No matter who you take in the 13th round, odds say you're going to cut that guy anyways. Right. But here, here's the difference is right now he's going in the 13th round because there is, like, I know that you guys are brushing this off as Brian Hoyer is not going to start this year. Or, or as you said, Davis, Johnny Manziel might not start until after that bye week, right? And even if you assume that, I mean, that's still four weeks of, of the dude sitting on your bench, which is not fun to start a season when there are crazy amounts of waiver, there's crazy amounts of waiver wire action going on. Like, just drafting a guy in the 13th round, especially at a quarterback position, which is incredibly replaceable, you know, there, there's just no, there's, there's no need for it. And the other thing about the quarterback position that I, I think that is going unnoticed a lot uh, in fantasy is that we have to remember that finding upside at quarterback right now just doesn't matter anymore because streaming is so much easier to do. It's so much easier to find usable pieces late in your draft that actually getting a guy who is, say, top five, like Cam Newton or Andrew Luck last year, you just... You said earlier in the podcast yourself about Andrew Luck not being very great and very good, and Cam Newton, like, like Cam Newton had six top twelve weeks last year. So having having a top five quarterback per se still really doesn't matter at the end of the day, which is another reason why I don't see the need to take this chance on getting Johnny Manziel, even on even at his current ADP. I understand it more in like a regular redraft league. I will not, I will never understand it from a best ball perspective because you're wasting a roster spot. And every player on your roster should be usable in some way for you, whether even if it's a handcuff. Um, but from the from the perspective that I've been taking the Manzel argument from is if you if you let's just assume that he that you think his ceiling is RG three and Cam Newton, right? What they did to their rookie season that's that's somewhat of his ceiling. If you take the baseline numbers from those two quarterbacks during that season. You would get 700 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. Cam had the 14 rushing touchdowns or whatever, and and uh, Manziel's not gonna right, do that. right, right. I'm not I'm not saying that he's gonna be Cam like put up the Cam Newton rushing touchdowns or anything, but I'm just saying from the perspective of 700 rushing yards and seven touchdowns, that doesn't seem like a lot, but only three quarterbacks have done that once since 1973. Cam Newton has done it twice. RG3 did it once, and Michael Vick did it just once. Michael Vick, one of the most prolific running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, did that once. Um, the other thing, too, that people I don't think are really comprehending, especially with a, a Cam Newton comp, is that he's about 35 pounds heavier than Manziel, 40 pounds heavier, and 6 inches taller. And I think that makes him much more of a legitimate red zone threat than Johnny Manziel. And we saw RG3, la- I mean, RG3 regressed touchdowns-wise last year, even when he, I understand he wasn't fully healthy but it was just unsustainable the way that he performed during his rookie year from a rushing touchdown perspective. Um, the other thing, so I think I think that I would agree that, I think we would all agree that the, the number one comp would be uh, RG3 just given the Shanahan offense and, and what he did during his rookie year. And, and those two guys having similar body types, more so similar than Cam Newton to, to J- and he was a way better rusher than RG3 in college. Right, okay, under, understood. Whatever understood, understood. The problem, though, that I think that's really, really going uh, unnoticed with Johnny Menzel is that RG3 was one of the best rookie quarterback passers in the history of the NFL. He had 3,200 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, and five interceptions, which is just completely absurd. 
Do you guys know how many quarterbacks have posted just 3,000 yards and 15 passing touchdowns in, in their rookie season in NFL history? Just, just. I, I bet you're about to tell I us. am, because there's only been nine. Only nine quarterbacks have ever had 3,000 passing yards and 15 passing touchdowns during the rookie season. And at, How many of them in the last decade, right, I, though, since I understand, but, but at finished. the same time, I understand. Like, that's, that's typically what people will say back to me, but then at the same time, to, to what you said to me once about Johnny Manziel starting is that almost every rookie quarterback coming out of college in the first round is now starting. So your sample size there of quarterbacks actually playing is still larger. So while most of those quarterbacks have come in recent memory in recent history, a lot of the, 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 the sample itself Yeah, but no one also no one ever argued that Christian Ponder was gonna be a QB one. And if they did, they're Yeah, an but idiot. it's still I mean like they, they could have, just as you're arguing with John, about Johnny Manziel. I mean like they're Yeah, but what leg would they have stand on? Christian Ponder wasn't even good that's in college. Fair, that's fair. But but the thing the thing also with this is that of those quarterbacks, only RG3 was the one to throw for fewer than 10 interceptions, okay? I think that we would all agree that... So basically what I'm getting at is we're assuming that Johnny Menzel is not only going to be historic with his legs, and I would actually give you the, the, the running ability part just because it means more to fantasy football and because he showed what he can do in college. I understand he was great throwing the ball as well. Uh, but what, what is going completely unnoticed is right now during this podcast... Josh Gordon is assumed to not play. Miles Austin is his number one wide receiver. I understand Jordan Cameron's there, but Miles. O- Josh Morgan was RG 3s number one wide receiver, and he got cut. Right, but but at this, I mean, it, you're still looking at history, though. Like you're still looking at a guy who literally had the best passing quarterback season in rookie history at quarterback. Like this is my point: is that like every every pro Manziel stance has to is basically him rec- is him repeating history is being literally one of the best three quarterbacks as a rookie in NFL history even when you adjust for era he's going to be one of the best rookie quarterbacks ever and you're right he is going to right, be but, but that's and the the thing that the thing that your argument you're you're just completely ignoring opportunity cost dude like yeah oh god you're going to have to let him sit on your bench dude like that's not even a good argument because so cut him so cut him if he if he doesn't get the starting job or don't draft him and then when you start to hear rumblings pick him up like my argument is not like oh dude you got to take him with the, right. the eighth but, round pick right but, I, but my my point too to the argument and what I said in my article is that right now he's a thirteenth round draft pick but when Brian Hoyer is not named the starter in week one Johnny Manziel is not going to be a thirteenth round but draft pick he's not. So then you should take you should be no, like extra no, taking because, advantage because of No, because there's right still now. a possibility that Johnny Manziel might not play until week five. I need Den- I need Denny to get in here. Well, I, I think I think that it's clear that the that the Browns are at least putting on a public a public face of, you know, he's you know, the kid's not getting not getting his way so easily. We like Hoyer, he's our guy, he's a veteran, we need leadership, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it almost seems like like the coaching staff is antagonistic toward toward Johnny Manziel, and uh, I I don't I don't really know why except for maybe the maybe uh, the 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 new coaching staff is just a bunch of hard nosed guys um, who don't Pet- like a, a to be punk fair hit, Pet- to but- be fair Mike Pettin is I mean like that's that's what his background like he was he was a defensive coordinator for the Jets when they were sickening good he went and was a defensive yeah. coordinator in Buffalo and made them sickening good he's a hard nosed no nonsense coach which is another reason why. I think that favors Hoyer tremendously. 
Right. So they're they're you know they're they're going to spite themselves and be like, you know, Manziel's rolling up twenties right, in a right. Vegas club, not our starter. You know, whatever. I mean, I guess I guess that's that's something we have to factor in. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, I think that if, if his, yeah, I mean, if his ADP jumps, if he's named week one starter and it go and his ADP goes into like the seventh or eighth round, then, you know, you have a choice right. to make. I mean, you, you, you really do. But in like best ball formats, I can't resist. I cannot resist but taking he, Johnny Manziel in the 13th here, round. Here's, right here's another thing to, to think about, you know, speaking of opportunity cost. Like I said, I think that people are overstating what what a top five quarterback means because he is not going to be Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, or Drew Brees, barring injury from one of those three guys. He's not, and we all know this. So you're basically fighting for an Andrew Luck spot or a Matthew Stafford spot. But if you look at what a realistic ceiling for Johnny Manziel is, I think if we would say Johnny Manziel rushes for 600 yards and five rushing touchdowns, would that be fair? As, as because only twenty quarterbacks have ever done that in the history of the NFL. I think that's a fair. Sure, but you don't have to be reasonable with. The but you do. You do pick, whenever dude. the other guys you can take there, like an. Who do you? Who, okay. Who are you taking? The I'm so glad you said that, Davis. I'm so glad you said said that because I would much rather take Alex Smith in the thirteenth round than I would Johnny Manziel. See that no, JJ. That's a terrible argument because you're not starting Alex Smith every single week, so he's not even worth the pick. Because, like, unless unless he has a great matchup week one, he's not even worth that's a pick. That's not true at all. That's not true league. at all. Because a lot of as a lot of standard leagues, you can still draft two quarterbacks and play the platoon game. What are you gonna are you gonna start him every week? No, you're not gonna start him every week. Right, dude. but that, that, I mean, what I'm saying though is that your opportunity cost is basically like what I see as Johnny Manziel's ceiling, a realistic ceiling, a realistic upside, a a high end confidence interval ceiling, if you will is essentially what Alex Smith fantasy points wise produced last season. That and and if we assume if we because I, l- listen to this, if he rushes for 600 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, that's what only 20 quarterbacks in the history of NFL have, have ever done, which is a very very fair thing to assume from a guy who's never played in the NFL before. And then if he does that, he's going to have to throw for 3000 yards and 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions, which I just showed has basically rarely been done from rookie quarterbacks in NFL history. And that's just to get to QB 13 territory where Alex Smith was last year. So if I'm going to be so beyond happy when he puts up so many points on the Steelers <laughs> in week one. Play week one. <laughs> I mean, he might. Uh, hey, hey, David, what do you, what do you think of uh, Manziel at, or uh, uh, Russell Wilson as a, as a Manziel comp? Right. I, I mean, like the thing about their – don't make me say it, but if you watch them play, they're, they go about everything differently. Like, Wilson Wilson fits very well into whatever offense you would put him in. He, he throws laser beams. Like, his completion percentage is always going to be higher than Manziel's. Manziel is an improviser. He creates fantasy points with his legs, but also, like... I would say that Russell Wilson plays a lot like a Peyton Manning or a Drew Brees in sort of being clinical and understanding the way that defenses work and understanding the strengths of his receivers, whereas Manziel plays more like a Favre or a Romo, where his strengths are more uh, manipulating the defense after the snap. Right. Russell Wilson was like one of the most efficient passers in college football history, wasn't he? Like, he was just unbelievable. He had that... He had that yeah, he had that, in, his, that lack of interception streak when he was at State, when he was at NC State. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was just, I was just thinking uh, uh, height-wise, oh, yeah. uh, 
uh, hand size wise, they both have uh, gigantic hands for quarterbacks, especially at their at their respective heights. Um, uh, I've only 35 players since 2008 have had larger hands than uh, than Johnny Manziel. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, the 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 last thing was um, their their statistical comps. Uh, Manziel completed seventy four percent of his passes from inside the pocket during his final college season. Uh, Wilson's final uh, final season completion rate was seventy six percent. Both guys were dominant on third down, uh, thanks in large part to their uh, pension uh, for I- improvisation. Uh, Manziel finished his college career with a 97 total Q- uh, QB rating on third down, while Wilson posted a 96 uh, QBR on uh, third downs at Wisconsin. So uh, I, I don't know. I just I think that there there are some some comps there, and I, I think that Wilson Wilson in another offense on another team that doesn't have such a dominant defense and doesn't rely on the run game and just kind of grind out leads. I I think Wilson has has major top you know top three fantasy potential. That now that's just that's I that's, do too, but it, that's reliant on game script, right? But it, exactly. It's, so like if they I, I, if they let him do what Drew Brees did, like or Dr- Drew Brees gets to do, right. yeah. So like, so like for sure. so basically, what we're saying is if if Russell Wilson is just like Johnny Manziel, obviously now Johnny Manziel's a tear down from a rushing perspective. But not only that, the Browns are going to be super super run heavy this year. I mean, they're going to be incredibly run heavy. It's not like he's gonna Johnny Menzel is gonna get the opportunity to throw for large chunks of yards for three thousand yards. I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. That's that's my the that's the hardest thing for me to realize is that I'm I'm actually more okay with handing him six hundred rushing yards than I am for even three thousand passing yards because that offense those weapons are so bad. Andrew Hawkins is actually one of their like Andrew Hawkins is going to see the field a lot. And that's a problem. That's he's their wide wide receiver one. He's they have Miles Austin, which is which isn't any better. Like that's the problem. Like they they don't have they have Nate Burleson. I mean they they don't have weapons. They don't have legitimate weapons. And I don't understand why. Like I understand that like yo, but Gordon's getting off on a technicality. Right, Gordon's so back. If Gordon's back, it does make a, a, a different. There there is more of a case with Johnny Manziel, but at the same time. If Gordon's back, Manziel's ADP is going to skyrocket. Just it's going to go through the roof. That's what I'm saying. Right now is the cheapest you're you're going to get Johnny Manziel. And I understand that you say, oh, well, why not? Well, why not? Because you could actually get your starting quarterback at Yeah. You can get your you can get your gonna... starting quarterback at that time in a draft that you know is actually going to play week one and you know that's actually going to produce to a level of what could be Johnny Manziel's ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I would hate for you to miss out on that James Jones stock in the 13th I'm, I'm round. Not talk, I'm talking so. strictly quarterback to quarterback. <laughs> Dude, James Jones might have a good year. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. GJ. Just, you're getting ridiculous wait, with, like, wait, the safety wait. stuff. No, it's not. But the thing is, the thing is with quarterbacks, like, I used to be, I used to be only draft. I mean, look at the first book that I wrote. I used to be only draft upside at quarterback. Only look for guys who are going to be top five quarterbacks because that's all that matters. The game of fantasy football is completely different now because there are so many quarterbacks out there. You drafting Johnny Manziel for week one does nothing for your team because A, he might not even play week one, and B, you don't even know how he's going to perform. I'd much rather, I'd rather draft Geno Smith playing against the Raiders in week one if you're, if you're going to go yeah. that route. So my, well, Okay, then fine. Then don't draft him. 
draft Gino with your last pick, start Gino, then pick Manziel. Right, but that's up, not gonna son. happen. Like, man, you don't. But there, know no, but that. There's, there's people out there. There's nuts, insane people like you out there that are taking Manziel in fantasy, and they're gonna be playing him or having them on his on their bench, just waiting for something huge to happen. And he's gonna he's gonna have crazy weeks. I don't doubt that at all. I think that he's gonna have those random elite weeks but at the same time you're gonna have to have a chris johnson relationship with him and that's not fun uh i mean yeah you guys like that's fine but money fingers though (laughs) all right well we can end it with that then i like it all right um we don't have a lot of time but if you guys want to rant uh you can do you want to do you want to do some ranting davis i would love to do some ranting not about Johnny Manziel, though. Not about Johnny Manziel. All right, do it to it. Do I just get to go? Just go, man. All right, well, something that I want to rant about, and I mean, it's not even really my topic. I'm just going to take this from uh, Fantasy Douche. He did this on Twitter like two days ago. And it's, it's it's sort of the stats film thing, but it's really not. It's even it's really just people who are bad at fantasy football and choose to stick their head in the sand over things. And it's the idea that you as a singular analyst or fantasy football player are smarter and, and more intelligent than 15 or 20 years of historical data, that, that big wide receivers score more points, that old running backs uh, break down, that running quarterbacks score more fantasy points, that having X agility score correlates to having X pass-catching ability. We, we live in a truly informational age, and in fact, a big problem in fantasy football right now is that there is so much awful content being produced every single day and that people who are new to the sport or, or people who don't have a source that they trust have a hard time finding out you know, who's a snake oil salesman and who's really trying to help them. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the biggest problem we have, and, and not to say that anyone has one right way to do it because I don't think that there is, and there also is tons of value in finding outliers, but if your entire strategy is nestled around finding players who are outliers, you're going to draft teams every year that just suck. Right. Like, that's really all that it is. And so you just shouldn't do that. You you shouldn't spend a, a third-round pick on Antonio Brown, and you shouldn't spend a fifth-round pick on Kendall Wright. <laughs> like, you just shouldn't do that. And and there are so many more examples, and I don't want, to, I don't want this to be a, a team big wide receiver thing because there are so many other variables like, like target volume and quarterback play. And, and I was even informed on Twitter the other day that uh, the big wide receiver hypothesis was uh, disproven. So, oh, so I don't really, nice. I don't really, I don't really want to get into it, but it, it, just everyone listening, my, I, I urge you just do what makes sense. Don't think that you are so much smarter than everyone else who plays this game that, that you, that that alone is enough of a strategy because I assure you that it's not. Right. That actually reminds. I agree. Go ahead, Denny. Uh, sorry. That, that that reminds me of something. Uh, uh, and I'm. I, I don't. I don't hate to plug my book, but I will. Uh, that um, uh, Alan Schoenmacher, who who's a great poker writer, he he told me when I when I uh, interviewed him for how to think like a uh, daily fantasy football winner. He said. Um, he said, you know, process. He was talking about you know process being uh, the most important thing, and and to 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 try your best not to focus on results. Um, and that's, that's what Davis is talking about. He said that, um, uh, taking, uh, a, a uh, taking a gut approach, uh, taking a, a view that, that you, that you know best, uh, 
that you know that that you know beyond the numbers and and beyond the, the proven stats is akin to you saying that that you are special that you are a Michael Jordan type of player. So yeah, I mean you can go out to you know to your local youth basketball practice and say you know uh, hit the killer fadeaway jumper uh, over over three defenders. But you know that's not something that um, you know that everyone can do. That's that's a that's a Jordan type thing. So if right. you if you think if you have reason to believe from your past fantasy football history that you are Michael Jordan of fantasy football, then I guess that that you can take the 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 route that Davis was preaching against. But if if you're not, and I'm not certainly, then I'm going to go the the good process route and and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. I agree. The only thing I disagree with Davis about is Antonio Brown. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> don't please just but like anyone who comes in my mentions and is like, oh, dude, I, so I drafted Kendall Wright and he sucks now. What should I do? I'm just not yeah. going to answer your Twitter question because you deserve what you get. <laughs> Gee. Oh, man. All right, Denny, do you have anything you want to rant about? Yeah, quick thing about the, uh, the Ray Rice situation because – uh, my my wife Melissa uh, wrote a uh, piece for the fake football um, a few days ago on so uh, among other things the, the the moral conundrum that you might have this summer when uh, drafting Ray Rice who got off with um, slap on the wrist uh, for um, uh, knocking out his girlfriend and dragging her around a casino um, or his then fiance. I wanted to address one uh, uh, one argument that I saw on Twitter, and actually, uh, my uh, my boss man at, at the Fake Football, Chet Gresham, was uh, battling a uh, pretty much like an army of trolls. And one of one of the the, the central arguments, shockingly, was that uh, um, uh, boys are raised not to hit girls, but not the other way around, and that's wrong. And I don't really know what kind of dystopian hellscape you're raising your children in, <laughs> but I, ha- I I have yet to come across a parent who encourages their little girls to go ahead and just hit little boys when they want to. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they exist, but are you really suggesting that this is uh, so- socially acceptable? I mean, you know, are, is this is this something that you think exists where, you know, little boys are being assaulted every day by their little girl classmates and that and that's okay and we're all good with it? Like, you know, you there you you have to you that that mindset is is very is very harmful and you know, we're all going to have you know, hot takes on Twitter about Ray Rice right now, but uh, but but they, these sort of, these sort of arguments have to go. They just they just mm-hmm. have to. They're just, they're just they're just straw man arguments, and right. that that's that's what dominates the Ray Rice conversation right now. I would just like I would like to see the straw men burn, is what I'm saying. And uh, in, in as we as we talk talk about this uh, this whole debacle from my point of view. Good stuff, man. Needs needs to be said to have that that kind of stance. It, it, some of the, some of the, even even the Josh Gordon stuff. Not to say that the Ray Rice situation is anything like the Josh Gordon situation. I just there there are a lot of people putting opinions out there that don't understand how those opinions can affect or how uh, affect other people and how dumb those opinions sometimes sound. Just in general, and yeah. I think the the Ray Rice thing is that exaggerated just because it's such an, a, a terrible thing that happened. Um. So I'll kind of just, I'll end it. It'll be really quick. I just really want people to stop talking about uh, 
only early round picks. I think we rant about this at least three times a year during the offseason. But I, if I see one more debate between who you should pick between Jamal Charles and LaShawn McCoy, I'm going to quit everything and just stop doing this because it's just out of control. Uh, basically, you know, your chance of, of hitting or missing at that point in time in your fantasy draft uh, is the exact same as anyone else's that early. It doesn't, it really, you're wasting your time by, by overanalyzing that situation. Just, just move on. Look at guys in the middle rounds and late rounds and look at strategy itself to really find a competitive advantage in fantasy football because in the end, no one knows who's going to be better. I mean, you can come up with arguments and you can try to increase your odds from that perspective, but that early in a draft, even late first round, those kinds of things, it's just it's not it's not worthy of a long debate that you are just going to kill yourself over. So that's that's my rant. Stop worrying about the early rounds. Worry about the rounds that matter. I agree. Sweet. All right. Well, I think. Bro, we were... but wait. But Demarius Thomas or Calvin Johnson, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they do get all the clicks. To be fair. Yeah. Those, those, <laughs> those kind of articles get all the clicks. My my like best pieces like that could help people win leagues get like eight clicks. Yeah, right, right. That's just that's just the way it works. I mean, it's just the the market that that has become uh, what fantasy football is. I mean, you get people coming in in August and all they want to know is who they should draft early because they don't really understand what what happens in the middle and late rounds. Well, you see people in mocks they they log out after making yeah. their first pick. Yeah, it's like sweet. You got Adrian Peterson at five. Now you're gonna yeah. go. Now you're gonna go try to get Matt Forte at six and see how that works. Like that's it's just yeah. it's dumb. Uh, but anyway, all right, Davis. Well, thanks for coming on. I know that uh, it, we went a little bit over tonight just because you love Johnny Manziel so much. That's what I'm gonna blame it on. I'm actually. I think I'm just gonna auto tune your everything that you say in this on this podcast. Well, don't do that. No, I'm not. For for those for those who don't understand why there probably will be random auto tunes throughout this podcast, uh, is because the first time I heard Davis Maddox's voice, I think I was talking to Rumford Johnny over at uh the Two Mugs uh, fantasy football website, um, and podcast. But we were talking about how Davis's voice sounded auto tuned. <laughs> so it's just I kinda, mean, it sort of does. It's it just kind of, <laughs> it just kind of got out of control, and I randomly record things and make them auto tuned. And send them to you, Davis. Need, you need the auto tune, Davis, saying it kind of does. <laughs> yeah, I think I will. I mean, it sort of does. <laughs> oh man! All right, Davis. Well, where where can everyone find you at? Uh, just find me at uh, uh at Davis Matic on Twitter. Doing a weekly column for RotoWire this year. Normal stuff at RotoViz and uh, all the daily fantasy goodies on FantasyInsiders.com. Yes, sir. Big DFS guy, that Davis Maddock. Give him a follow. Uh, Denny, why don't you uh, tell everyone how they can support your child? Uh, yes, they can. They can uh, first follow me on Twitter, at CDCarter13, and uh, they can support the the big baby that lives with me um, by, <laughs> by buying my book. That actually sounds like he's not my biological son. He is. <laughs> By by all accounts, uh, I I actually got the, pi- the the picture of the movie Honey I Blew Up the Kid in my head. Right, <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's, yeah, the, right, that's right, the right. child that lives with yeah. you. Uh, on 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 Amazon and iTunes, uh, How to Think Like a Daily Fantasy Football Winner. And if you would like some consultation services, please check out DraftDayConsultants.com as our rates uh, will rise August first. So secure the lower rates. And uh, eviscerate your league mates this year. Nice, very nice. I'm uh, JJ Zacharyson. You can find me on Twitter at Late Round QB uh, and over at 
at the Number Fire machine over at numberfire.com. We're pumping out lots of content there, and it's it's cranking up given that it's fantasy football season. Um, so I think that's it. You want to go grab some milkshakes, Denny? I don't know if I I don't know if I can bring Davis. <laughs> we'll we'll just talk about Davis over milkshakes, okay? Okay, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm lactose right, intolerant, son. <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> going to be auto-tuned. <laughs> One million percent. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. I'm lactose intolerant, son. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.